0: Welcome back to the Max Out Show, where today I'm joined by John Czerodzki, the best-selling author of the books Sprint and Make Time. After 15 years as a designer for technology companies such as Google Ventures and YouTube that included him incorporating the design sprints into those companies, John and his wife decided to quit their jobs and travel through the world for 18 months. With those experiences, John now focuses on speaking and writing about making time for what matters most. So let's dive right in. Hey, Max. Thanks for having me. Now, before we really dive deeper into some very specific tactics and strategies for how we can make more time in our lives, first of all, how did you and and your co-author, Jake, First of all meet and then become become sort of self-proclaimed time dorks how do you get so fascinated with, <laughs> with time in our lives
1: <laughs> yeah so jake and i met working at google ventures um i had joined uh gv a little bit before jake did and um for those who haven't heard of it google ventures is a venture capital firm that's funded by google so every year they take uh, some of Google's extra money and they invest it in startups that are outside of Google. So totally independent companies. And I had been working um, in other parts of Google. I had been working at YouTube and I had worked on Google's advertising tools and I had worked at a startup and then some other stuff. And um, I got, when I got the job at GV, it was as a design partner. And so my role was after we made an investment, I would go inside the companies we invested in and help them out basically like a consultant, you know, sort of use my my background as a designer and a writer and help them work toward whatever goals they had. Um, but very quickly, my team and I realized that it wasn't going to be enough for us to just sort of be the experts, you know, to go in and mm-hmm. say, like, here's what I think you should do. Um, we, we were feeling like we needed a more systematic way of approaching our work. We needed a system that could help these teams find their own answers and um, and so that was the impetus for, for meeting Jake and for bringing Jake to our team at Google Ventures. He had been experimenting with this thing called the design sprint process at Google. He'd run a few of them and we, we heard about it and, um, and we started talking to Jake and recruited him to join our team. And then we began um, running these design sprints together. And over the course of five years, we ran about 150 design sprints with um, lots and lots of different Interesting startups everybody from slack to twenty three and me to um uh, blue bottle coffee to the, just a ton of really interesting companies
0: for sure and
1: we were we were like helping them you know we wanted them we wanted them to be successful um, and as an investor we had this this very real interest in helping them work efficiently and effectively but um for, for Jake and I, we, we realized that we were both, we had both been kind of experimenting and, and thinking about our own time and with productivity and you know trying to optimize that type of thing. We'd been both doing that independently for a long time. And we realized that these design sprints were sort of a laboratory where we could experiment with the defaults of how people spend time at work and we could see what happened. Um, and eventually we decided to sort of apply that same thinking to our own time. And that's what led to Time Dorks, which is our, um, well, it was initially kind of a blog and now it's our newsletter and then our book, Make Time, which came out last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely love that because you guys are almost like these, these scientists, right? Experimenting with so many different strategies, so many different ideas around how we can make more time for what actually matters in our lives. So why do you think it is that the, so many people, especially when it comes to work, you mentioned, um, why do people struggle so much with actually you know, setting the right priorities, actually doing the right things when they should be doing them? Why are you know, the sprints that you guys were running then so much more effective than that?
1: We, we think it's because there are so many default settings in our world. Um, everything from the way that our phones are set up by default. Um, so, for example, when you get a new smartphone and you turn it on for the first time, One of the very first things you do is you sign into your email and then by default, your phone is going to check for messages in the background automatically. by default, it's going to notify you when you have a new message. So that's like a relatively small thing, but it, but it, it really influences our behavior. But then there's all kinds of other defaults too. There's um, there's the defaults that exist in our schedule. Like when somebody invites us to a meeting, we always say, yes, that's the default. Um, and we don't think about when that meeting is, you know, if it's, um, if it leaves a gap of 30 minutes between that and another meeting or a gap of an hour, um, we don't necessarily recognize that that doesn't leave us enough time to actually do any real work in between that meeting. So these are not like these things are, th- there's a bunch of them. I mean, there's probably literally hundreds or thousands of defaults that um, that we encounter every day that shape how we spend our time. And I think it's important to think of them as defaults because it's not like they're anybody's fault. They're not like the result of poor willpower or Mm -hmm. poor self-control. And they're not part of some master plan. You know, it's not like anybody (laughs) sat down and said like, okay, what is the optimal way for humans to spend their time on planet Earth, uh, you know, to be maximally productive and happy? You know, that's not the case. It's just (laughs) weird... collection of like little habits and routines and norms that have stuck over the years. And so Jake and I believe that most people are not aware of the power of these defaults, um, but because we've been messing around with this stuff for such a long time, we are. And so we've found that by pointing out these defaults to people, and then by giving them very, very practical ways of resetting the defaults of sort of changing the environment that they operate in we can actually give people a lot more control over their time and their attention so that they can actually make time for the things that they want to be doing
0: i love it I, th- I think that's so important because like you mentioned most people they don't do things because they're out of a lack of willpower they simply do things because the environment kind of dictates it to them right It's the same idea that you know, if you have, you know, hamburgers and if you have chocolate and gummy bears sitting at home, right? What are you going to eat? You're going to eat hamburgers and, you know, <laughs> yeah. gummy bears and all that crap, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, you, you sort of, you said that Jake and I are sort of like scientists, which, which you know, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I yeah. understand why you're saying it, but there are, but we're not actually scientists. But no, there, no, are, yeah. <laughs> there are real scientists who study this stuff. And I actually just started reading uh, the new book, from a, a researcher, um, psychologist named Wendy Wood, and her book is called Good Habits, Bad Habits. And, uh, and she has been studying the role of willpower and habits um, and behavior for decades. And she has, I think, some of the best and clearest research on the limitations of willpower, about how willpower is more of an explanation for something that we see as opposed to being the cause, the, the source cause itself. Um, so when we see somebody who looks like they have willpower and you know they're super productive and they're doing everything and you know we think, wow, that person's really got their shit together, um, it's not because they have this magical life-giving force called yeah. willpower. It's because they have an environment, they have processes, they have habits, routines, they have mindsets that whether intentionally sort of designed or not, um, it's those, it's those environmental things that actually enable them to,
0: to do the things that they want to be doing. Yeah. That's such an important point because most of the people that, that I work with, they also coach, you know, one-on-one, what they always say is I need more willpower, right? If only I felt more motivated, if only I had more willpower every day, then I could make all these drastic changes in my life. Right. But the reality is that it's not just suddenly going to happen, right? It's not just this magic ability that all of a sudden you're going to, you know, it's going to be bestowed upon you. But it's really, if, if you really look at people that make long-term change, it's usually just like you say, the environments that change, right? It's the circumstances that they put around them, right? It's whether they find, you know, training partners if they want to work out consistently. It's when they delete that smartphone app on their phone, right? It's all of these little things yeah. that we can do. So you mentioned already, you know, um, email before as one of those defaults in our work setting um, that can really be detrimental. What are some other things? that you oftentimes see people do that aren't really, you know, useful defaults in our lives?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned, I mentioned the calendar and I mentioned how meetings kind of tend to get scattered throughout the week, um, which, which uh, doesn't leave us enough time to actually do the work that we need to do. There's there's a, there's very common feeling that we can't do our work at work, you know. We have to yeah. <laughs> like, wait until the end of the day. We have to wait till our meetings are over, and then we can finally do the actual work that matters to us and also creates value for our business. Um, there's a default of of checking in first thing in the morning. So, you know, first thing people do when they get up in the morning. Is uh, is you know kind of do the rounds of checking email, checking Slack, checking Twitter, checking LinkedIn, whatever their you know their set of things is that they pay attention to. Maybe checking the news, the stock market, um, and that's a that's a very powerful sort of cultural default that is reinforced by technology defaults, um, having things that are you know uh, at our fingertips, having notifications that are turned on by default. Um, and and you know I'm saying I'm saying people and I'm saying you, but like I'm, this this stuff applies to me too you know I'm not like immune to this and in yeah. fact, a lot of the the reason why Jake and I write about this stuff so much is that it's an ongoing struggle for us we we worked in the technology industry, which in addition to creating a lot of the products that that people struggle with, also is itself um, culturally kind of at the Forefront of of this very busy, very connected, very mm. distracted work culture, you know, being technology companies, they're the the most willing to adopt new technologies, yeah. right? So, um, so we both felt working at inside of, of Google that we really had a hard time um, focusing on the things that mattered to us, both at work, but also um, in our personal lives, and so. Um, you know, I talk about defaults and talk about what, what people do. Uh, it's, yeah, I think it's important to keep in mind that like, that's me too, you know, like I, <laughs> I struggle with those things as well. Um There are other defaults. There's de- a lot of defaults around, um, around the ways that we, uh, that we build energy or or sort of uh, zap our energy. Um, and so this is a big theme of, of make time as well, is that if you don't have, good energy you're not able to make the most of your time um and and having energy for your for your brain you know to do the the work that you want to do comes from taking care of your body and a lot of the defaults of the way that our our built environment is designed you know our cities and our, our our infrastructure they really encourage um you know sitting as opposed to standing or walking they encourage, uh, at least in the United States, they encourage uh, driving over other forms of transportation. Um, defaults, uh, you know, things like, like delivery apps um, encourage you to, you know, not, um, you know, to to basically, you know, eat food that is sort of very convenient and, and yeah. readily available, not necessarily the healthiest. Um, and uh, and so, you know, again, these are like these are all things that I struggle with as well. But, but when you, you know, when you, when you think about a typical day where your time is really sort of dominated by defaults that, um, that don't prioritize the work that matters to you. And then you think about kind of the end of the day where you're trying to sort of unwind and relax, but, but that just looks like, you know, watching Netflix and ordering, ordering delivery, Um, you're missing out, I think, on some opportunities to really
0: recharge and to um to rebuild your energy yeah i love that i think this point about having energy both on a like physiological and a mental level is so critical because so many times i find that people you know they say they don't have time but if you really look at their schedule what they do they spend you know three hours on email two hours on instagram you know another hour watching netflix right and so they have all this time they just don't have the energy to actually make something useful out of the time to actually make themselves, you know, get off the couch and get off, you know, the popcorn and the, you know, junk food and all the, you know, pizza deliveries and actually do something useful, actually engage in, in things that make them more alive, right? And so what if you found yeah. are some things that, that really give you mental and, and physical energy on a daily basis. So what can people do really to create new defaults in their lives?
1: Yeah, so the um, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to say is really it's really basic and it's stuff that everybody knows already. But it's so, important. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, it's, um, you know, the, the, the building blocks of, of energy really are the food that you eat, um, the, the amount of movement that you get, you know, the amount, the amount of exercise. And I, I hesitate to say exercise because really it doesn't need to be exercise where you're like going to the gym, you know, yeah. just, just moving your body is what's important. Um, and, then, and then the sleep. As you get so the amount and the quality of sleep, um, and then there's a few other things that people don't think about quite as commonly, um, which have to do with um, sort of the more human side of things. So, um, connecting with other humans face to face can be very energizing, uh, having a sense of community and belonging um, can really give us energy, and having quiet you know, having the opportunity to step away and unplug from everything. Um, can, can really help us energize as well. So, so within those, those six areas, there's a whole bunch of tactics that you can try. Um, one of my favorites is to keep all devices out of the bedroom. So (laughs) my wife and I recently, you know, you mentioned in the intro that, that we had done this, this, uh, this long sailing journey. And in that environment, we, didn't always have internet. And, you know, we certainly couldn't like order takeout or whatever, but we were, we were living a lifestyle that was, that was pretty, pretty quiet and pretty calm and pretty disconnected for the most part. And when we moved into our, we now live in, um, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in in the United States. And when we moved in to our place here, we, um, we set up a charging station for our computers and our phones that's, um, not only in a different room, so it's in the dining room, but it's behind a cabinet door. So we actually keep our devices away and then, and and they live there uh, at night. And then when we get up in the morning, we have to make a deliberate decision to, um, to, you know, check our phones for the first time, for example. Um, And, and, and that small, like environmental change has really helped with the with the quality and the the quality of our sleep, but also just with sort of a, creating a feeling of of calm um, and slowing things down a little bit, uh, particularly kind of at the end of the day and the beginning of the day. Um, so that's that's one that that works really well for me. Um, another one is uh, is one of my favorite, like sort of uh, a, res- a friend recently described it as a triple play tactic because it has like multiple benefits and one is the default of make of cooking my own food so making dinner mm-hmm. at home which which my wife and i try to do probably four or five nights a week so not every night but but most nights um and 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 cooking dinner is great because um first of all you have to go buy the food so you have mm-hmm. to you know go somewhere and and you know you have to uh, you can you can get groceries delivered of course but i i enjoy the process of you know, walking to the store and sort of walking around and, and kind of, you know, having that moment that is not in front of a screen, that's not yeah. sort of actively focused on trying to be productive, um, but just doing something for myself that needs to be done. And then, of course, you have to cook the food. Um, so that's a, a bit of a meditative experience as well. You know, you can't be answering emails while you're cooking. Um, mm. And then, you know, food that you make at home tends to be healthier than food that you eat at restaurants. So it also has. The benefit of, um, of being healthier and um, it also adds to that um, sort of feeling of calm at the end of the day that I mentioned um, one of the tactics that Jake and I wrote about in the book is called fake the sunset and it's mm-hmm. about sort of lowering the lights in, in your house and removing um, bright you know artificial light like uh, computers and, and phone screens from your environment in the hours leading up to bedtime um, and, you know, and this idea of, of cooking at home kind of ties into that, you know, things sort of are a bit more chill and, you know, you, you kind of dim the lights and you have a nice dinner, um, as opposed to being in a, you know, in a restaurant in a very highly stimulated environment or, or sort of, you know, watching something or looking at your phone while you eat delivery food or whatever. So, so that's another, another default for me that um, I've been able to reset that, that really has a lot of benefits.
0: You know, I've really loved that because all of these things are are, you know, in a way they seem small, right? So they they're, they're so practical and at the same time they they are implementable, right? So it's nothing that's gonna take a major, you know, amount of willpower and motivation. But these are really changes that each and every one of us can make in our lives starting today, right? And that, that over time we're really gonna see this compounding effect of what, well, like you say, whether it's you know shutting off emails and getting rid of our phones, actually not having a bedroom, right? With making our own food. Those are such really useful and practical ideas i love that
1: you know i think a lot of times when people read about productivity or or optimization or whatever there tends to be a lot of really kind of hardcore prescriptive advice out there you know you read about um the 15 things you should do before 5 a.m you know or like it's just or like some super extreme diet that that you should be on and you know there's 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 certainly value to all those things and i've tried lots of those things myself but I think that they can, um, I think those can actually be counterproductive for people. I think that um, it can be very intimidating or overwhelming to try them. And then if they don't go the way that you hoped, there can be kind of this feeling of failure because you tried it, but you weren't, you know, you weren't good enough if it didn't work for you, which of course isn't true at all. You're perfectly good enough. Um, and, And I think that a far better approach is to find, like you said, these things that are just super practical, super doable kind of simple things that really fit into normal everyday life that don't require this incredible um, behavior change or or overhauling of your lifestyle but still have a lot of benefits
0: hundred percent thank thank you for highlighting that again yeah and so you already mentioned um or we already touched upon two of the you know four-step process of making time so i already touched upon real lasering your focus getting rid of distractions getting rid of emails and all that kind of stuff We touched upon energizing your body and mind throughout the day. So there's two more steps, which is defining your highlight every single day and then reflecting, adjusting, and you know, experimenting again. So can you touch upon those two as well a little bit? And really help us understand how to define our first of all daily highlights and how to keep focusing on that every single day. Yeah, we
1: kind of we kind of skipped over the the most important part, which is which is the why. You know, and that's that's the highlight. So um, you know, you mentioned like how a lot of people, they struggle to, to make time or they struggle to change. And we talked about the limitations of willpower, but but I think one thing that's super important that's related is, is your sense of purpose. Um, I think if you are trying to, you know, be less distracted, be more productive, it starts to feel like something that you should do because it's the right thing to do. You know, it starts to feel like... Um, you know, eating healthy or, or exercising. It's like, yeah. okay, I know I'm supposed to do it or saving money for retirement or whatever. It's these things that like, everybody tells you you're supposed to do and you kind of feel bad if you don't do it. Um, but I think if you can give yourself a really clear purpose, if you know why you're trying to spend less time on Instagram, for example, or why you're trying to rethink your schedule, um, and it can be really clarifying and really motivating. And so that's kind of the essence of the highlight is to give yourself one thing every day that you are super excited about. One thing that when you look back at the end of the day and you think, what was the highlight of today? It's it's that thing. It's very clear. Um, and this can be something that that needs to happen. So you know, there can be a lot of satisfaction that comes from you know getting something done before the deadline. Oftentimes it can be something that's really satisfying for you, maybe a bit of work that you've been meaning to get around to that maybe doesn't have a real deadline attached to it, mm-hmm. but it can also just be something that is fun, you know, something that you enjoy doing, um, that brings you joy. And choosing a thing like that, and, and you know, we, we suggest that people start by choosing something that takes about 60 to 90 minutes, so not too long, but there's a really surprising sense of clarity and purpose that comes from identifying that thing. And then it allows you to make all these other decisions much more easily. So it's much easier to reconfigure your phone if you know that you're, you know, you're removing Instagram and you're removing email because you want to start writing a book, for example, or um, you are making dinner at home every night because you want to spend more meaningful time with your kids and with your, your partner, your spouse. Um, I think that it just, ha- having
0: your why just makes everything else a lot easier. Yeah, it sounds like that that, that having that sense of why and purpose in your life is really the starting point from which you're then able to really, you know, start implementing and start trying out and experimenting with all of the other things. But if, like you mentioned, you don't have that fundamental why and you don't really know why you're doing it, then it's too easy, right? It's too easy to, you know, spend hours on Netflix and just waste hours of your life because there's nothing else that you want to do instead, right? And so really getting clear on, first of all, the the why right and the highlight i love how you how you really call it the highlight right like the greatest thing today what is the coolest the most fun the most rewarding thing that can possibly do today and i'm putting your focus on that and making time for that is so important absolutely love that
1: now could yeah i think there's a there there's also a you know there's an there's one exception to that sort of that rule you know in general i you know you and i agree that um that if you don't have a sense of purpose, it's very difficult to make some of the changes that we're talking about. But there is one exception, which is, I think, um, some people find themselves just so busy and so distracted and so overwhelmed that it's difficult for them to even create the mental space to think about what their why could be um, and and what that deeper purpose is. Um, You know, I think if you're – if if you're in a job, if you're in a situation that really is all-consuming and stressful, I think that then um, there's a intrinsic value to beginning to just claw back some of your time and create space in your day um, that then enables you to start to do some some reflection and do some some you know some thought, some passive thinking to yourself um, and allow that sense of purpose. And why to to start to emerge on its own. So, so that's kind of the, the exception to everything that we just said.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. Thanks for bringing it up because I truly, I mean, I truly agree with you that that we need to have this mental space and this mental clarity of being able to step back a little bit, right, and really observe our life to really figure out what is our purpose, right, and what is that meaning that I want to bring to to work or to my life every day. And if you're just so busy in the you know day-to-day hectics of just taking care of whatever needs to be done and just you know checking off to-do lists every day just to kind of get by, then yeah, it can be really hard, like you say, to, to actually get clear on, oh, I want to do this highlight today, right? No, it's more like I just got to check off all these hundred things, right? And so, like you say, like taking time or using all the other strategies before that maybe can in that case be super useful. Yeah, for sure. Now, can you touch a little bit on the on the fourth step of reflecting and adjusting? Because I think that's really what what brings it home then is really this, this active experimentation with yourself.
1: Yeah. So this was the lesson that really came directly out of our work on the design sprints. So I mentioned we were sort of in this unique laboratory type situation where we were running sprint after sprint with all these different companies and getting a chance to experiment with some of the defaults about how they spend time. And with each sprint, each sprint was really like an experiment you know, we would we would try some things and we would see what worked and we would tweak it and adjust and we'd try differently the next week. Um, and it really just just taught us sort of the value of experimentation when it comes to how you're spending your time and what you're paying attention to. And it's, it's kind of funny because, um, you know, we're used to being analytical and critical about our work, you know, about the stuff that we do in our jobs. But for some reason, we're not used to... to Applying that same type of thinking to our time, you know, we don't see our time as something that can be designed, something that we have control over. And so, reflect, which is which is the fourth step in this this four step framework that that we've been talking about, that's described in our book, Make Time. Um, it's all about just taking a couple minutes each day to reflect on the day, to um, think about what your highlight was whether you you made time for it, uh, which specific tactics you tried, you know, what things did you try to do in order to, to make time and how did they go? And then what you're going to try tomorrow. And that's, that's maybe the most important part of it is that that sense of looking forward, because again, you know, a lot of the advice I think about this stuff is, is very much all or nothing. It's very intimidating. Um, and we can, we, we can feel like we failed if we don't do it perfectly. And, uh, and I, I think it's much better to treat sort of each day as a blank canvas. And if you didn't have time today or you weren't happy with your level of energy or you felt like you were paying attention to the wrong things, tomorrow's a new day. And I think as long as you have an attitude of sort of self-reflection, And an attitude and a mindset that tomorrow you can do things differently, then, then you never fail. You know, you've never, you've never fallen off the wagon because there's always a new opportunity to um, to try things differently and do things better tomorrow.
0: You know, I think, I think this is such an important point because the reality is that, you know, no matter how hard we try, we're all gonna at some point fail to implement the changes we wanna see, right? We're all gonna have days where we feel off, where we're tired, where we're exhausted, where we just, you know, end up procrastinating. And oftentimes what I see in people is, is they feel so defeated, right? They have this sense of personal failure. Of I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I can never do this. I can never, you know, keep my commitments to myself. And so this, this process really of, of actually analyzing and and really you know judging the days in a sense of what works what doesn't and then just learning from it more is this objective sense of I want to you know take this as an experience rather than oh my gosh I didn't make it today I, I'm a failure right I think this this really yeah. depersonalization making more objective is so critical and, and people just you know being able to get back the next day and do it again so I love this process the
1: other the other thing that it really enables is um, is it gives you a way of customizing or personalizing the stuff that you're trying. Um, you're, you know, when you first begin, you might, you might try something because you read about it in a book or whatever, but, but very quickly when you're reflecting daily, you, you're, you are doing things because they work for you. You're not doing them because you read about them or somebody told you to do them. You're actually getting that firsthand benefit. And like you said, you're sort of objectively, um, you know, evaluating whether it works for you and and you can you can really sort of tweak and tailor the system to your own lifestyle you know to your preferences to the things that matter to you and i think that's a
0: really powerful uh, benefit of reflecting as well for sure 100 percent there's one really cool thing i found about you is that you actually a couple years ago switched from being a night owl to now waking up early and that's something that yeah, <laughs> I know so many people, including our listeners, struggle with so much in their lives. So, do you have any tips for for people you know trying to make that shift? I know for you, it was a more personal thing because your wife usually gets up earlier than you. Um, but can you give people some kind of tips, some kind of help on how to make that shift in their lives if they want to do that?
1: Yeah, totally. Um, yes. Yeah. So, first thing is, I think I think you you need to know why you want to do it. Um, for me, I, like you mentioned, I did have a, I had a pretty strong motivation, which, which was that years ago, um, my wife and I were, we were both working sort of normal full-time corporate office jobs. And she had, she worked at a company that had a much earlier culture. Um, they worked with a lot of people in Europe. So she would often have calls that would be at 7am or 8am. And so she was getting up early and I was, you know, I would came from more of kind of a, you know, techie hacker type of culture where people would sort of sleep in and work later, mm-hmm. and then and you know sort of stay up late working at night, and so it would often be the case that I just didn't see her very much during the week. And I'm I'm really fortunate. I'm really lucky that that you know my wife and I are are best friends and that we we enjoy spending time together. Um, and so I wanted to spend more time with her. And so I thought you know I'll try to become a morning person and I'll see what happens. Um, that's and dedication it, right there. <laughs> <laughs> it just so happened that those morning hours also became very um very productive hours for me. They become became time when um, you know, there's if I if I was able to avoid that morning check-in, then I could work for an hour or two hours with absolutely no distractions and no interruptions. And over the last um, I think it's been since about 2012 when I started doing that, so so seven years now. Um, those morning hours have really been my peak, sort of creative period. That's when I've done pretty much all my writing. Um, it's when I have, you know, I recently have created a couple of new workshops that I've been teaching. Um, so that's kind of the time when I really focus on doing the creative work of of building out something new. Um, and so starting with why is really really important. Um, the things that, uh, th- there's a bunch of small things that help for me, and I'll start with the stuff in the morning. So that sense of purpose, um, keeping devices out of the room, um, which, which actually helps um, in the morning and in the night. It helps at night because it helps you go to sleep, but it helps in the morning because it avoids sort of that, that limbo period where like you woke up and you roll over and you grab your phone and you spend like 15 or 20 minutes just sort of looking at stuff on your phone. Um, if you don't have devices in your room, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to like properly wake up and begin your day. Um, uh, turning on all the lights in my, in my (laughs) house, um, right away. I know it seems like a small thing, but our brains are wired to respond to light because you know, you think about how we evolved. We evolved in an environment where there, there were no artificial lights. And so when, when it was dark, it was time to sleep and it was light, it was time to be, to be awake. And so turning on all the lights, um, I personally, um, I drink coffee first thing in the morning, and there's, there's actually some, some science saying that you shouldn't, but um, I really, for me, it's, it's only partially about the caffeine. I really enjoy the ritual of, of having something to do for the first 10 to 15 minutes that doesn't involve a computer mm-hmm. or a phone. So getting up and, and going into the kitchen and, and making coffee kind of in a slow uh, meditative process, I really enjoy so that's the stuff in the morning. And then the stuff at night, um, I t- already t- touched on a bunch of the things. So faking the sunset, you know, this idea of turning down the lights and just sort of transitioning from, from daytime to nighttime, keeping devices out of the bedroom. Um, uh, and then the, the hardest one for most people, and, and it was for me too, is just starting to be more realistic about like when you need to go to sleep. <laughs> because <laughs> if you wanna start waking up at six, you got to go to bed at 10 Oh or yeah. <laughs> you're not going to get eight hours of sleep. And that's, that's a hard one. And, and uh, part of it for me had to do with caffeine. So I used to drink coffee in the afternoon. And I was one of those people who thought, oh, I can drink co- caffeine in the afternoon. It doesn't affect me. Um, but then I started to research the science behind it a bit more. And um, it turns out that uh, the half-life of coffee is six hours, meaning that wow, after yeah. six hours, Half of the caffeine is still in your in your system, still in your body, and it, and that means that it actually takes a full 24 hours for the uh, caffeine to be entirely gone. So, if you drink a cup of coffee at 3 p.m., um, half of the caffeine from that coffee is still in your bloodstream at 9 p.m. So, it can really really interfere with your ability to fall asleep. So, for me, um, I have a I have a firm cutoff on caffeine at uh, at 1 p.m. And so I'll usually, I'll have lunch and I'll do it like an espresso or a tea right after I eat um, to help me avoid kind of that, that post-lunch slump. But, um, but that's it. And that, that, that really enabled me to start going to bed earlier and earlier, which then made it easier to wake up um, earlier and earlier in the morning.
0: Yeah, I love that because I think that the thing that holds people back more than anything else from waking up early is actually the going to sleep part, right? It's not what you do in the morning where, you know, you <laughs> set an alarm at different one, like, room or whatever that, you know, long that you need to chase down or sure. whatever. It's, it's not yeah, that, right? Yeah. You should, it's just like, hey, you've got to go to sleep at, like, 10 or maybe even 9. I don't know. <laughs> and for me, I've realized the hardest yeah, part yeah, is, and- like, it can almost seem antisocial, right? So, like, when all my friends are, you know, out partying or, like, out – Going for dinner, I'm like, you know, at nine p.m. I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, it's, it's time to go to sleep if I want to wake up at like four or five. <laughs> but I think that <laughs> yeah. that's what well, you need to I've, just get realistic about, right? It's like this is what's going to be required yeah. of me if I actually want to make that change. And then you can really ask yourself, is it worth that? But I think that's an important exactly st- conversation you yeah. have.
1: That is, yeah, that's such a good point, and I I've talked about this with quite a few people, and I know, uh, you know, I know that you're you're from Germany, and and especially like in, in Germany. Um, I know that there's kind of a later social scene. Um, and that's, that's true in a lot of the European countries. Um, and so, yeah, I I think you're exactly right that like you need to be realistic about it. And, and that's where you, that, that sense of why needs to come from that sense of purpose. You know, why do you want to do this? Um, and is it worth the trade-offs? You know, for me, um, you know, I was making these changes. I was living in San Francisco at the time and, you know, during the week, I wasn't doing a lot of socializing in the evening anyway. Um, and I, when I do socialize, I tend to prefer, you know, going out to dinner or having people over for dinner or stuff like that. Um, so for me, it was an easy trade-off to say, well, I'm not giving anything up in the evenings. I'm just gaining a lot in the morning. But if 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 your life looks different, and you know, everybody's life is different, it's you know, it, it doesn't mean that you should you should try to become a morning person just because it worked for me. Um, in fact, uh, Jake, who, you know, is, is one of my best friends and and he and I wrote this book, uh, both, both books together, both sprint and make time. He actually tried becoming a morning person, um, using my advice and it didn't work for him. He has two, he has two sons and, um, and so they like, you know, they, they would be up in the morning getting ready for school. And that, that like, Sort of interfered with his ability to make productive use of that mm-hmm. time. Plus, he's much more of a natural night owl than I am. You know, I've I always kind of thought of myself as a night owl, but but I think for him, it, it's more deeply wired. Um, and so what he ended up doing was he actually became better at being a night person. So wow, he um, he uh, and you can read about this um, in in the book and make time. I won't tell you the whole story, but basically he, he kind of reconfigured some of his defaults and his schedule to spend like from eight to 10 PM, or I don't know the exact hours, but basically after his sons would go to bed, he would have, and like, after they had finished dinner and everything, he would have like a couple hours of solid highlight time in the evening. And that's what worked for him. And that was worth, you know, the trade-offs for that change made, made sense for him.
0: Yeah, you know, I, th- I think there's such an important realization because I think, you know, especially in the personal development industry, there's this huge push towards like you've got to wake up early, right? And I have to admit, I myself, I love waking up early, like 4 a.m., 5 a.m. is my favorite time of the day. But I know that for most people, it's not. And for many people, I know that, you know, waking up that early just isn't that useful. And maybe, hey, maybe you're a night owl, right? Maybe it's like at lunchtime, you do your best work. And so I, I-, I totally agree with you there that each and every one of us has to really look at our circumstances, look at our goals in life, look at the environment around us, and really ask ourselves, like, what would be the ideal thing, right? And not be like, okay, 5 a.m. because someone says 5 a.m., right, or 10 p.m. because someone said 10 p.m. Because really, what would be the best thing for me in my personal life? I think that's such an important point.
1: Yeah, a lot of the stuff like this is based on averages. You know, it's based on what the, the typical person would do. And, and, and there's, there's good basis for that. You know, it's sort of based on how humans evolved over over the last couple hundred thousand years. And, and, you know, so, so it makes sense. But if you think about the average, you know, let's say, you know, the average of some range of numbers is, is 50, it means that there's gonna be a lot of numbers above 50 and a lot of numbers below 50, most likely. <laughs> and so, um, like, you know, just because you read advice that is that is sort of based around the idea of the average person or the typical person. Um, it doesn't mean that you also fall into, into that profile. Uh, as you, as you said, things may be very different for you.
0: For sure. I love that. Now, John, on this show, we always love to celebrate failure as a stepping stone to success. So do you have a favorite failure in your life? I have lots
1: of little failures all <laughs> yeah. the time. Um, but one big one that, um, that comes to mind is okay so so jake and i wrote um this book sprint about uh, the design sprint process and it came out in 2016. um a couple years before that i actually failed to write that book um previously um and i so this was this was like in 2014 and we had just started to share some of what we were learning about design sprints we had started to publish some articles and i felt like there was um i felt like there was an opportunity to write a book but i didn't have the conviction for the project to really focus on it in a major way and so i was pursuing all these all these shortcuts you know i was thinking um you know, well, what if we hired a ghostwriter or what yeah. if we partnered with somebody or like all these different ways of basically ways of trying to avoid just doing the work. Um, and unsurprisingly it failed, you know, it didn't, it didn't come to fruition. Um, and so then a couple years later when, when Jake was like, you know, I think we should do this and, and I think like we should really do it and do a great job and really focus on it. Because I had previously had that failure of trying it a different way, um, I was in the right spot to say, "Yeah, let's go all in. Let's wholeheartedly pursue this project." Um, And I think it turned out so so much better than it would have if we had tried to to seek shortcuts. Um, You know, the book the book is I'm very proud of that book, and and um, and I think that it's uh, it is both valuable for people as well as being uniquely ours and uniquely us and our voice. Um, and so that was, that was a failure that, that didn't feel great at the time, you know, because I had failed to do something that I had set out to do, but um, turned out to be a really good lesson that then enabled me to do a better job the next time around.
0: Well, wow, so it really sounds like you, you took that lesson, right? And you actually learned and applied that lesson that you learned from, you know, the first failure of not writing that book and then turned it into conviction, turned it into extra dedication. And next time that you actually wanted to really focus in and dive into a project. I love that. Now, what's was, um, what do you think if, if you could give our listeners one piece of homework and we've talked about lots of strategies, lots of tools today, but if you could give them one thing that they should start doing today, that would really transform the way that they create time in their lives what would it be
1: if i could if i could only pick one thing it would be to have people try writing down their highlight their daily highlight. so go through the mental exercise of thinking about tomorrow and thinking about what the one thing is you want to make sure that you make time for um, and then actually write it down, write it on a piece of paper somewhere. Um, and if you want to go a step further, put it in your calendar. Actually look, up your, look at your calendar, find a place when you can schedule in an hour or 90 minutes or two hours to make that thing happen. Um, it sounds kind, of, sounds kind of weird. It sounds like overly simplistic, but, um, but it's amazing the sense of clarity and purpose you get from doing that. And like we talked about before, it's amazing all the other decisions that flow From that simple act of writing down your highlight
0: absolutely love that now before i ask my final question where can listeners connect with you online what's your favorite social platforms website what's that what it is
1: sure yeah so uh my my social platforms of choice are twitter and linkedin um they're actually the only ones that i'm on uh so on twitter i'm jazzer j-a-z-e-r and on linkedin uh you can just search for my name i'm i'm still the only John Zaratsky on LinkedIn.
0: Um, <laughs> Perfect. Uh, and, Should be easy to find uh, by
1: LinkedIn. <laughs> as long, yeah, as long as you can spell my last name, uh, which isn't always easy, <laughs> but um, uh, I don't, we didn't really talk about it a ton, but I don't keep social media apps on my phone. Um, and, I, and I only use them for a limited period of time each day on my computer. So um, if you send me a message or something, I will see it. Although I might not be the fastest to respond. Um, and then if you want to learn more about make Time, you want to learn more about this framework that we talked about, the four steps, you want to read about some of the tactics and experiments that we've been trying, you can go to
0: maketime.blog. Perfect, going to link to that as well. Now, John, final awesome. question. What does mental mastery mean to you?
1: For me, mental mastery
0: is, is
1: the sort of ends, but not the means. I think if you want a feeling of, of mastery, the first thing that you need to do is understand uh, wh- how, how you function. You need to understand why you, you, your brain works the way it does and then find ways to change your environment, change your habits, change your routines, adopt things that you can do every day, um, reflect on which, which of those things are working well for you. Um, I think that uh, trying to, to white knuckle or willpower your way through those changes isn't going to work. So, so it's almost like taking, a, um, taking a, a couple steps back and trying to engineer the change that you want for yourself. And I think that's the path to, to developing a sense of mental mastery.